Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. This is my Bible. It is God's word written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word and fill me with the Holy Spirit so that my life will be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God loves each of you as if there were only one of you. Amen. I want you to hear that this morning. I know for some of us who've been in the faith for a long time, we could just kind of, yeah, I know that. God loves the world, you know. And I'm not saying he doesn't love the world. I just, I just want you to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. God loves each of you. As if they were only one of you. He just has this, this undefeatable love for you. And really, that's at the heart of this series that we've been on. Maybe it hasn't been as obvious as it will be today, but we've been talking about the fact that we have this covenant, this blood covenant with God through Jesus the shed blood of Jesus, and the purpose of this series that we're calling Under Contract, we have a contract, a covenant agreement with God through Jesus, and the purpose of this series is so that you and I will increase our confidence in God's faithfulness to fulfill His promises for your life, and the more confidence we have, the more we'll experience God working in our life. And so this is an important topic. Some of us may not even realize that when we stepped into a relationship with Jesus, we stepped into a covenant. We don't talk about that, and we don't use that vernacular all the time. But just as a reminder, the word covenant is probably one of the most important Bible words that we can talk about. It's in the Old Testament at least 250 times. And it's all over the New Testament, and that's at the core of our relationship with Jesus. When he took bread with his disciples the night that he was taken into custody, and he was going to be crucified, he says, this is the blood of my new covenant. And so we've been launched into a better covenant, the Bible says. And so we need to understand our covenant relationship with God. Now, I want you to know, at the root of our covenant relationship with God through Jesus, God promises a life with him, yes, and a life lived for him. Can you say amen? Right? We don't just get his life to live the way we want to live. In this covenant exchange, we're learning how to live for him as well. And what's important about this covenant relationship that we know is that God has promised to bless you. God has promised to heal you. God has promised to protect you. God has promised to provide for you. God has promised to war for you. 
God has promised to sustain you. All the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen. So be it. So think about this covenant relationship you're in with God. There are promises that he's made available to you as a covenant representative, recipient. So why, though, why did God extend covenant to mankind? Was it because you loved him so much and you were just so on fire to serve him and walk with him and live with him and live for him? Come on, that's a big fat lie. I know it is for me. That's not why he extended covenant relationship to me. He extends covenant relationship because of love. The title of today's message is Covenant Love. Come on, would you say it with me? Covenant Love. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 7 through 9. God is speaking to the people through Moses. And there's just a refreshing reminder here about why God extends covenant love, why God extends covenant promises to you. It says this in the Bible. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people. For you were the least of all the people. So he's talking to his people that he set free from Egypt. And he's reminding them, God didn't choose you because you were so vast, so many. There were more Egyptians. There were more Canaanites, so on and so forth. Just a reminder, God didn't choose you or me because we were so good or because we had it so much together or we, we were just so the right people that we're going to do everything right. No, 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 no. Listen. But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers. By the way, that's covenant talk. When you get time, go back and look at that. He's talking about the oath that he made in Genesis chapter 12 with Abram. All the way back there. The Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand. Can somebody say amen to that? And redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the land of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Therefore, know... That the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. Now, when it says a thousand generations, that's not literal. He's just saying he's going to keep his covenant forever. Forever. Like the, the Lord owns uh, the, the cattle on a thousand hills. Well, that's figurative language, not literal he owns all the cattle on every hill in the whole world. Everything belongs to him. So when this says for a thousand generations, he just means he has sworn this covenant love and mercy to you forever. Forever. It's never going to end. Now notice verse 7, there's the word love. And verse 8, there's the word loves, plural. And then verse 9, there's the word mercy. Somebody say mercy. Right Now, I want you to see this because it's important. It might not be obvious at first, but each of these words, love, loves, and mercy, is translated from a different word in Hebrew, even though we're reading in English. Remember, originally the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, okay? But a lot of English Bibles will translate or use the word love for, for all three words, Love, love, love. Not mercy. It'll just say love or loving kindness. But in the Hebrew, there are three distinct, separate words. And I want for us to see and understand with more clarity this morning 
the third word behind mercy so that we can get a better understand of this covenant, undefeatable love that God has for you. Notice verse 9. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, he is God, a faithful God. Somebody say faithful. You know what faithful means, right? He keeps covenant and mercy. Mercy. Now, I am not suggesting you don't understand at all what mercy means. But I do ask that you would just lean in and allow the Holy Spirit to sharpen that. Show you something maybe you have missed. The word mercy is the Hebrew word chesed. H-E-S-E-D. Chesed. Sounds like it's got a K in front of it. Chesed. Will you say it with me, church? Come on. Chesed. Chesed. It can be defined as loyal love, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, or graciousness. As a matter of fact, a Hebrew dictionary, if you looked it up, it would say something as simple as unfailing kind of love. Chesed, mercy, is an unfailing kind of love. So here's a question. Why should I believe that God will keep his covenant promises to me? Because of his chesed. Because of his unfailing loyal love, his kindness, his graciousness. If you're taking notes, the first truth that I want us to zero in on is simply this. Covenant love impassions God to keep his promises. Covenant love impassions God to keep his promises. Why will God keep his promise for you? Because he has chesed, because he has covenant love, covenant loyal love for you. Notice Deuteronomy 7, 8. But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers. Did you know God swears? To keep his promises. If you haven't got that book yet, I'm just dropping the mic right there. You got to get it. God swears to keep his promises by Pastor Jerry Dearman. Powerful book. Powerful book. It'll refresh you and remind you about all of this. I want us to look at a video that I found. And um, it's a five-minute video. So it's going to partner with me and teach a little bit in a very easy-to-understand way about this chesed kind of love. I want you to just see it from all of its different angles so that you walk out knowing why God keeps his promises for you. Can we play that video, David? It would if be awesome. If you tried to describe what God is like, it could be difficult or daunting. But when the people who wrote the Bible pondered the mystery of God, they consistently described God's character in this way, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. We're going to look at this fourth phrase, loyal love. It translates the Hebrew word chesed, which is hard to translate into any language because it combines the ideas of love, generosity, and enduring commitment all into one. Chesed describes an act of promise-keeping loyalty that is motivated by deep personal care. Like in the story of Ruth. Ruth is a foreigner married to an Israelite man. But tragically, her husband dies along with his brother and his father. All Ruth has left is her widowed mother-in-law, Naomi, who has nothing to give her. Naomi tells Ruth she should go back to her people, but instead, Ruth promises to stay by Naomi's side and take care of her. And as other people watch Ruth keep this promise over time, they call it an act of chesed. 
Notice that Ruth's chesed is not conditional or based on Naomi's worth. Rather, it's an expression of Ruth's character. She just is a generous and loving person who keeps her word. That's chesed. Now, Ruth's loyal love is truly inspiring, but the one who shows the most enduring chesed in the Bible is God. Like in the story about Jacob, who is a treacherous liar even to his own family. But despite that, God chooses him and repeats the promise he made to Jacob's grandfather, Abraham, that he would have a huge family through whom God would restore his blessing to the nations. And so 20 years later, when Jacob realizes how undeserving he is, he says to God, I'm not worthy of all the chesed you've shown me. And he's right. But God's chesed was never about Jacob's worth in the first place. It's a display of God's generous loyalty to his promise. God's chesed continues into the story of Jacob's descendants, the Israelites. When they're enslaved by Pharaoh in Egypt, we're told that God remembered his promise to Abraham and Jacob. So God defeats Egypt and raises up Moses to liberate the people and lead them into the promised land. And in the story, this is called an act of chesed because it was about God keeping his word. Now, on their way to the promised land, the Israelites are scared of the nations around them and they doubt that God can protect them. So the people threaten to kill Moses and appoint a new leader to take them back to Egypt. God is understandably hurt and angry, but Moses steps in and says, forgive the sin of these people because of your great chesed. Notice that Moses asked God to forgive, not because the people deserve it, but because it's consistent with God's own character. And God agrees, and he recommits himself to a people that don't want to be committed to him. In the Bible, God is loyal and loving for no other reason than it's just who God is. Of course, he wants his people to respond with chesed in return, but even when they don't, God's chesed remains. Amen. The prophet Hosea compared Israel's chesed to a morning mist. It's here one moment and gone the next. But God's chesed is enduring. Like in the celebration of Psalm 136 that opens by saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And then 26 times repeats, his chesed is forever. Mm. And so, after centuries of Israel betraying their commitment to God, and after humanity's long history of violence and death, God still kept his promise in a dramatic and drastic way by becoming human and binding himself to us in the person of Jesus. And the people who followed Jesus of Nazareth said that in him they encountered the God of Israel who is full of loyal love and faithfulness. Mm. Jesus is the ultimate loyal and loving human. And in his life, death, and resurrection, God opened up a new future for all of us and for all of creation. And God did this because it's just who God is. Amen. Generous, loving, and eternally loyal to his promises. And when we experience the purity and power of God's loyal love shown through Jesus, it compels us to reimagine why and how we can show chesed back to God and to the people around us. This is what it means to say that God is overflowing with loyal love. Oh, we had one person who really liked that video. Anybody else like that video? It's a good video, amen? Yeah. I love the fact that God is generous and he just displays loyal love forever and ever. And how many of you know it's not because we're so good and we're so loving, right? And we're so recipient or, or reciprocating that love back to God. It's just because that's in his nature. 
It's in his nature to be gracious and to be loyal with his love. Chesed is found 245 times in the Old Testament. Look at Psalm 136 with me. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, it's not on uh, the screen, but I just want us to look at it. Psalm 136, such a powerful, powerful reminder about this word Hesed. Psalm 136, you've heard it before. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. Remember, in mercy, the Hebrew word is chesed. It's his loyal love. It goes on, it says, Oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for his chesed endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his chesed endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders for his chesed endures forever. To him who by wisdom made the heavens, for his chesed endures forever. To him who laid out the earth above the waters, for his chesed endures forever. To him who made the great lights, for his chesed endures forever. The sun to rule by day, for his chesed endures forever. The moon and stars to rule by night, for his chesed endures forever. And then you go all the way down to verse 26. It says, Oh, give thanks to the God of heaven for his chesed, his loyal, unfailing, gracious love that keeps going after you and after you and after you endures forever. Friend, You need to know that we serve a faithful God. Just because God is love, that's his character. He's watching over your life. He's watching over your kids. He's watching over your finances. He's watching over you. And his heart is to perform his promises that he's made because of his chesed. Can you say amen, church? Come on, somebody say, God loves me. Come on, I know you don't believe that yet 100%. Say it again. Come on, God loves me. Say it again. God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you with this loyal, unfailing, kind of tender-hearted love. It brings me to the second point I want to make this morning, and that is this. Covenant love moves God to be tender-hearted and extend mercy. Some of you might be watching by Facebook or or you might be here with us and you think, oh, but Pastor Robert, I'm a bad person. There's just too many things that I've done, too many sins that I've committed. On the way to church this morning, I flipped the bird to a guy who cut me off. Whatever it is that you're struggling with, friend, I just want you to know that you are not bad enough for God to not just pour out his loyal love on your life. There's nothing you've done that will keep him because God is a God of love. And he wants for you to be in the family. He wants you to be confident about you being in the family. He wants you to be confident that when you go to him, that he is a God who wants to fulfill his promises in your life. Some of you might say, oh, Pastor Robert, I'm a pretty good person. I don't know that I need to be convinced that God loves me. And that's why he'll just, he'll perform his promises. I'm doing pretty good. Have you ever met somebody who just feels like they're pretty good already. I have. I met some people say, yeah, I just don't need that Jesus stuff. I'm a pretty good person. You know, I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't cuss. Friend, listen, don't buy the lie. That's a lie. The Bible says that every single one of us have fallen short from the glory of God. 
The Bible says that every single one of us are born with a sinful nature. The Bible says that every single one of us need a Savior. Amen. And I just love the fact that the Bible says that anyone and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. So friend, if you don't know Jesus that way, today could be a, a, a turning point for you. Today you can realize that God has loyal love for you. Even in your badness, even in your thinking you're good already, God wants to reveal this loyal love that just comes from him. And he wants to do something in your life that you've never experienced before because you've put your faith and you've put your confidence and you've put your trust in him. The God who is the God of love. Amen? That's just the God that we serve. Can I just show you, we're going to switch to the New Testament. I just want to show you two New Testament words that carry this kind of chesed idea from the Old Testament into the New Testament. These are not words that you haven't heard already. They're not words that you're probably not familiar with already, but I'm just asking that you'd keep your heart open to the Holy Spirit. Maybe he can sharpen something or show you something that you might have missed before that would be applicable and appropriate for you this morning. How many of you know John 3:16? Do you know it by heart? Come on, I don't know what version you use, but can we read it from the New King James Version together? John 3.16, ready, read. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting love. There's the hesed moved over into the New Testament. It's the Greek word agape. Agape o, it's a verb in this context. It's God actually walking out, demonstrating his unconditional love that he has for humanity, for every single sinner, for every single bad person, for everyone who's messed up, for everyone who's separated from him. Friend, that might be you. You might think that you're in a good place with God because you try to live good, but I just want to remind you, none of us can live good enough only Jesus was able to live good enough to be pleasing to the Father. Amen. That's why you need to confess your sin and your badness before a holy God and turn your life over to him. And then you'll be in the family and you'll be forgiven. That's what John 3.16 is about. Right? It's for all of us who are separated from God. And we need his love to be poured out in our hearts and in our minds. Now, I do want to point this out. This is important. Uh, especially because we live in the Bible Belt. This is the Bible Belt, right? Everywhere you go, you run into people that are God people, that are Christians. My great-grandpa was a Christian. My grandma was a Christian. I was born in a Christian you know, home. I, I worship uh, the flag because I, I kneel to it, and I bow to Jesus because I kneel to it. And God, country, and Jesus, they're kind of all together out here in the Bible Belt. But I just want to bring a delineation. This says... That everyone who believes in him should not perish. Well, some people might say, well, I believe in Jesus. Friend, I heard somebody say this week in another pastor. Simply believing in Jesus is demon level faith. Did you know that the Bible says that demons believe in Jesus and tremble? But demons aren't saved. Can I get an amen? amen. And so you could verbally say you believe in Jesus. But that's not this word believe. This word believes is an action word. This word believe means I've made the confession with my mouth out of my heart. And now 
I'm connecting with the body of Christ, and I'm growing as a disciple and a follower of Jesus, and I'm asking God to help me to change my pattern of living, to change my mind of thinking, to change the things that I was once doing, so that now I become a follower of Jesus, not in word, but also in deed. That's believes. It's not just cheap, I believe. And then I live any way I want. I'm not trying to bring condemnation. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I love you. And I'm, so I'm sharing what the Bible says. Friend, you could think you're saved, but you might not be. And you wouldn't even know it because that's called deception. And we got to know what the word says. It doesn't say everybody who says they believe. It says everyone who believes. And believes here is an action word. It's lifestyle. Amen? It would be like if you said, I believe in showers. What's that smell? Have you, have you ever left the house? I'm not saying you have, and I'm not saying I have. I wouldn't say it if I did. Have you ever left the house and you forgot to put deodorant on? <laughs> Come on, anybody? I, I, I have a stick. In a closet back there, just in case. I don't want to offend anybody. I've showed up on a Sunday morning and I'm like, what's that smell? I love you, Jesus. That's me. Pastor Robert, where are you going with that story? Well, let me, let me, let me try to bring you back into alignment. If you say you believe in showers and good hygiene, but you never take a shower. You, 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 you never step across a, 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 a bathtub or, or a shower stall. If you don't use any soap, if you don't wash your hair, if you don't brush your teeth, if you don't use any deodorant, and you say that you believe in good hygiene, that belief is false. It's not real. John 3.16 it's trying to help us to understand whoever believes by walking it out in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Amen? That word love, loved, agape, agape. That's a Greek word. It comes over from the chesed kind of love from the Old Testament. It's used over 300 times in the Bible. Agape. Describing not just what God has, but who God is. God is love. Agape love is unconditional. It's undefeatable goodwill that always seeks the highest good for the other person. Can somebody say amen? amen. Pastor Robert, how do I know God loves me? I'm not in the church. I'm not in the family of God. You might be watching. You're not even saved yet. I just want you to know God's demonstrated his love for you. And I want to prove it. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. On your worst day, on your most evil day, when you were living for the enemy like I was, separated from God in your sin, you're all messed up. God demonstrates his own love by sending his son Jesus Christ to die for our sins. 
So God loves you. God's demonstrated, and he wants for us to just get into that love and live in his love because he wants to do so much in our lives, and it takes a faith. It takes a confidence in the love that he has for us. Amen, church? Are you with me? Let's look at another Greek word in the New Testament in John chapter 1 that carries this chesed Old Testament word over into the New Testament. And the word became flesh, capital W. Some of you know this, but it's talking about Jesus. See, when we say the word, especially now, I'm catching more revelation. When I say the word, I don't just mean the Bible, the written word, because Jesus is the living word. The Bible is the written word, and the Holy Spirit whispers the spoken word. We need the word. Amen. You can't just have the Bible without the Holy Spirit. If you have the Bible, you're on the tracks, but you have no power without the Holy Spirit. If you just offer all the Holy Spirit, the Spirit is the gifts, the Spirit, the Spirit, Spirit, but you're not getting the Bible in here, you, you just go off track. Right? So this keeps us on track, and the Holy Spirit helps us to move on the track. That's the Word in its totality. It says, and the Word became flesh, that's Jesus, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Somebody say grace. Grace. You know this word, grace. It's the Greek word, charis. C-H-A-R-I-S. Yes, it's used 155 times in the New Testament and is most often translated grace or unfailing love. And a simple definition of charis would be undeserved kindness, graciousness, favor, and goodwill. This is describing God, not just what he has, but who he is. Notice the scripture says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. He flowed in grace. It's the grace. It's the covenant love. It was the chesed. It was the undeserved kindness that caused him to demonstrate the unfailing love to the woman who was caught in adultery when everybody else wanted to stone her. And he just brought revelation to all of those people holding the stone. You who's without sin, go ahead, cast the first stone. And they all walked away. And she said, Lord, my accusers are gone. Where are they? Jesus said, listen, they're gone and I'm not going to accuse you. And then he says this, remember, go away and sin no more. What is that? That's the love of God. It's just going after you, going after you, the kindness of God, the grace of God. It's, it's part of who he is, and that's what he wants to demonstrate. Why is that important when it comes to his promises? Because people who struggle with knowing that God loves them unconditionally, and he has this grace and this loyal love for them, no matter how bad they might be on a particular day, or if they missed church, or they didn't read their Bible, or what have you, God's loyal love keeps going after you, and he wants to, he wants to bring his promises to pass because he loves you, he loves you, he loves you. And if you don't know that, it diminishes your faith. It diminishes your confidence in that kind of a God. Here's the final truth I want to make this morning as the worship team comes back up to the platform and, and we're almost ready to close our service. I, I want for you to see this. Covenant love inspires God to give grace 
and act with redemptive action. Grace and redemptive action. Have you ever done something in your life or you just wish you could go back and have a chance to do it different? Have you ever done something where you wish you can go back and and get a different chance, another chance, another opportunity? I think all of us have, friend. I know I have. And many times in life, we don't get those actual physical opportunities, but somehow, some way, because of the grace of God, because of the loyal love of God, the, the onslaught of the ramifications that we could have experienced because of that, somehow, he spares us from so many of them. And even in the ones that we're going through, he promises to be with us and walk us through. It's as if he's rewinding the tape of our lives and he's wiping the, clay, the, the slate clean and he's giving you another chance. That, that's the grace of God. That's the redemptive action of God. Notice again in Deuteronomy 7, where we started, verses 7 through 9. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people because you were perfect and large. For you were the least of all the peoples, but because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers. Listen to this part. The Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now, let me just remind us, those of us who know our Bible, you're going you're gonna to come in and you're going to quickly agree. Those of you may not have ever seen this before, but God's people being in bondage and in slavery in Egypt is a type of picture of being outside of the covenant promises of God and being under the rule and the dominion of the kingdom of darkness and Satan. And because of God's covenant love, he reached down through the person of Jesus and he saved you. He brought you out. He delivered you from the kingdom of darkness and from the, from the, from the bondage of Satan and from all of his destruction in your life. He delivered you with a mighty hand. He set you free. He, de- he redeemed you. And friend, he wants to do that for you today. If you're watching online and you think that you're not in the family, if you even have a slight inclination that you might not be in the family friend you're not sure and God wants you to be sure God wants me to be sure he wants you to know that if you took your last breath today that you would be in the presence of Jesus but that can only happen friend if we go after his grace you are saved by grace through faith it's a gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast. I just believe that there might be people watching or people that are here this morning who might need to commit their life to Jesus. And and let me say this, friend, those of you who are already in the family of Jesus, can I just encourage you as your pastor? Share the gospel. Be ready to share Jesus with people because they need it. Amen. I'm going to pray in a a moment. And then after I pray, I'm going to have the worship team lead us in another song or two. And as that's happening, I want for us to just respond to the covenant love of God. 
right there where you're at in your pew. If you want to sit down and pray, if you want to stand and lift your hands, if, if you want to come up to the altar and take care of some business and reconvince yourself of God's love, however that is for you, I want you to feel freedom to respond as we worship before we go home. But I want to pray, and then the worship team is going to start. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your covenant love. We thank you that because of your grace, because of your chesed, because of your loyal love, you sent Jesus. You sent Jesus. And Father, my prayer is that if anyone is under the sound of my voice and they don't know Jesus, I pray that they would repent, they would turn from their sin and they would receive the grace of God through the person of Jesus and they would say, Father, I want to be saved. Father, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. Father, I believe Jesus was raised from the grave by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, help me to live for you. All you got to do, friend, is say that prayer. If you said that prayer and you're in the vicinity of Lakeshore Gastonia, you got to get here. We want to help you get rooted and grounded in your relationship with Jesus. Anybody here this morning, uh, uh, if there's any room in your life to straighten things out or recommit some things, just make it personal as we sing some more songs before we go home today. again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.